Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hey, it's Tyrone here, and we've got a great episode for you from the archives with Pete Wargent. This episode was first aired back in 2017, and I hope you enjoy it. But I'd seen some of the results that my wife had already achieved from investment property, which uh, comfortably outstripped anything I'd ever done. Um, so that that sort of showed me how the the extra leverage you could use in property could um, accelerate your result. This is Property Investry, where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategy. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode on Property Investory, we're speaking with Pete Wargent who's a business owner, entrepreneur, financial educator and property analyst. He'll share how his first property investing experience brought him to Bondi in Sydney and has been a great success in building his expanding portfolio. So, what does Wajan do in any given day? Well, truthful answer, I probably spend half the day at the beach, but I do uh, I do work intensively uh, during the day as well. Um, I have two kids, so in fairness, I work quite a bit in the evenings when they are asleep. Um, so, I write detailed reports and monthly research reports for hedge funds, so that's market insights and key trade themes, uh, but also, as I mentioned, do some property buyers agency work, uh, largely for investors and high net worth clients. Um, I also have my own development project that's about to kick off, which is um, the biggest I've taken on to date. Um, and the next big thing I'm doing is a, a live event that I'm producing in Sydney uh, to teach financial education. And that's called the Money for Life Seminar. So that's October the 7th. So keep an eye out for that. He tells us more about the core project that he's working on in Brisbane. We're building a house. So we're, um, it's, a, it's an arts and crafts uh, style home, um, four and a half acre block. Um, so we've, we've just been through the approvals process over the last couple of months. Um, so that's the next big thing that's kicking off. Um, also just picked up a nice little renovator project in Brisbane in New Farm. With so many roles and responsibilities to consider, Wajant is an investor at heart. The media often struggles with what to call me. It depends on the project a bit, but I'm an entrepreneur, um, the owner of several businesses. So I'm a property analyst, um, I'm also an educator, a four-time published author, and I also have a buyer's agency. Uh, but I would call myself an investor first and foremost. Growing up in the UK, Wajant tells us about his formative years and how his family constantly moved around the country. 
So I was born, as you can hear, in uh, in England in a city called Sheffield. Um, so my my dad was a, a social worker. Um, so Sheffield's quite well known as a university city today, but back then it was a, a depressed sort of a city because of the, the closure of the the Sheffield Steelworks, and then there was the the famous famous miners' strike on the South Yorkshire coal fields. Um, so my dad uh, ran a hostel or a, a halfway house for young offenders. So that's where. We lived right there in the inner city neighbourhoods, which was a pretty lively sort of a place, as you can imagine. And then um, later, my parents bought a house out in the Sheffield suburbs, so that's where I grew up. Um, they moved around quite a bit after that, which I didn't didn't really like at the time, but it did give me some useful skills as you, you learn to be comfortable with all different types of people. Due to the nature of his father's work, Wajit moved and changed schools often. For my dad's work, uh, so um, the... They, they call it a probation officer in the UK. You'd probably call it a social worker or similar um, in Australia. So it, it, uh, to some extent, you go where the work is. Um, and um, certainly in the early parts of your career, that tends to be areas where there are social problems. Um, so we lived in some interesting places. Um, and yeah, as a result of that, went to a few different schools as well. Did uh, all of my schooling in the UK. I I, um, I had a bit of a mixed education, so I just went to a general um, comprehensive school um, at high school to start with. But then um, towards the end of my schooling, I ended up going to a grammar school, which was a bit of an eye opener um, because you get some very intelligent people at grammar schools. So I had a bit of catching up to do. It actually went to uni in Sheffield itself. Um, so University of Sheffield is quite well regarded. That's a big uni. Um, and learned some useful stuff, um, which I then uh, went on in my professional career, went on to to be a chartered accountant. Beginning his professional career as an accountant in the UK, Wajant then moved to Australia. In in London, like a lot of people, um, it's a a similar um, dynamic in the UK as there has been in Australia in recent years in that many of the jobs are centrally located. So um, even though I would have had a preference to actually stay in Sheffield um, to train as a CA and then go on to, to work for one of the big four accounting firms, realistically, uh, like many graduates, I was going to be headed to London. Um, so I did uh, my three years of CA training um, in the West End of London, which is a great place to work. Um, and uh, yeah, when I uh, qualified, I then subsequently ended up moving to Sydney. Dotted around a bit because I had a year in Australia as a backpacker. Uh, but then, um, yeah, when I was uh, it was when I was 27, I became a permanent resident of Australia on the old uh, points test, which um, is less popular today. Um, more people uh, subsequently came in on four, five, seven visas, but we used to have a there was used to be a skill matching test, and um, being a CA was quite high on the the occupations in demand back then. The decision to come to Sydney was based on a sporting passion for him, before he realised its potential as a place to live. It was mainly through cricket originally. I, I played cricket um, in the UK. Um, uh, one of my teammates was actually the current uh, or the, the recently current England captain Alistair Cook and uh, we had a lot of um, overseas players from uh, from Waverley in Sydney so um, uh, we'd had a number of those over the years and they sort of encouraged me to, to come and give grade cricket a try so I initially went to Sydney purely for, for cricket uh, but then as the longer I stayed in Sydney the, the more I realised how much it had to offer as a city. 
Although there was no influence from his parents to invest into property, he did realize the impact of it through his passion in cricket. So my parents were and are socialists. They're very left-wing,、uh, public sector type of people. So they would never have invested in in property or shares for that matter.、Um, and they they still vote for the socialist party even today in their seventies.、Uh, so interest in property came from elsewhere for me. I think that said, I was very interested in numbers, and I certainly did notice how mum and dad always seemed to pay more every time they moved home, which, as I mentioned, was. Very often for us,、um, and then when I started playing cricket as a youngster in adult cricket teams, a few of the guys I knew had made chunks of money in property, which was a bit of a light bulb moment for me.、Um, by contrast, my wife is from a farming family, so so she was always well on board with the idea of land ownership and reinvesting those gains for the future. Initially, more interested in investing in shares. Wajit was swayed to invest in property and set out to purchase his first property in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Pretty much as soon as I came to Sydney, I, I got、uh, straight into investing in the property market there. But my wife was already a property investor、um, in the UK. I, I was initially much more interested in, in the share markets because because of my job as a chartered accountant that involved、uh, writing annual reports for listed companies. So I intuitively felt. More inclined towards、uh, fundamental analysis of listed companies,、um, but I'd seen some of the results that my wife had already achieved from investment property, which、uh, comfortably outstripped anything I'd ever done.、Um, so that that sort of showed me how the the extra leverage you could use in property could、um, accelerate your results. So the first the first property I bought in in Sydney was、um, was in Bondi,、um, which I. Still have today. I've never sold a property, and、um, yeah, I mean, obviously, locations like that, Sydney eastern suburbs, have have been strong performers over time. It was a hundred square meter apartment,、um, so quite close to the train station. That was、um, in Bondi Junction. That, that was something that I learned from London.、Um, that as the density of cities increases, the the demand for properties that is that are close to Uh, train links that can get you straight to the heart of the city.、Uh, they do become increasingly sought after over time. So that's that's something I've always tried to stick with、uh, when investing in property. Transport links,、uh, particularly to the CBD. The, the idea was largely for investment,、um, but、um, I think as as you may remember back back then there were a number of first homeowners、uh, incentives around. So I I bought that property and lived in it、um, for a year. Um, and in fact, that was something that we repeated over and over again. We we, we bought several properties in Sydney, lived in them initially for a year, and then rented them out, and then moved on to the next.、Um, you know, not not a conventional way for people to build a portfolio necessarily, but I think that's something that's becoming more and more common in in cities like London and Sydney, where people just can't afford the property that they want to live in, so they have to find another way. Coming up after the break, we'll delve further into Wyden's journey on how he became a property investor. So I was working.、Um, I was actually at Deloitte, which is one of the the big four accounting firms. I ended up as a director at Deloitte. How he grew his property portfolio. But the good thing、um, that we have managed to achieve over recent years, partly partly through just the the, the growth in those those 
Sydney and London markets is we've managed to get our loan to value ratio down to below 30 percent which is yeah which has been very helpful for us in terms of serviceability. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Being employed at one of the major accounting firms, Wajan and his wife were able to substantially fund the growth of the investment portfolio quite quickly. So I was working, um, I was actually at Deloitte, which is one of the, the big four accounting firms. I ended up as a director at Deloitte. Um, my wife was actually also a, a director at Deloitte. So uh, you can imagine the uh, the fun dinner parties we had with the, those careers. But uh, it's, um, yeah, we, we were I suppose relatively fortunate in that we were we were both higher rate taxpayers um, at a very young age, around about twenty six, twenty seven. So I guess you could call that um, good or bad, depending on your perspective. Um, but I think, particularly in Australia, there is I think you find that people who pay substantial amounts of tax are drawn towards investment property, um, and I think that that was a factor for us certainly. After building his equity for some time, he was able to start his own businesses. I had a couple of years in industry um, when I was in my early 30s. So, um, like a lot of Australians, ended up uh, working in the mining uh, sector at that time because wages were substantially higher than what you could achieve in other industries. Um, I also um, did a year and a half at a listed healthcare company that was um, taken over by one of the big listeds. Um, so I had um, a few years there in my early 30s, um, but I did. I reached a point when I was 33 um, where I, um, I suppose, truthfully, the with a bit of luck, the, the London and Sydney markets have been pretty kind to us, um, uh, and the share markets too. And I reached a point where I felt as though we'd built enough equity that um, I should start looking at um, building my own businesses um, in areas that interested me more. Like a lot of people, um, you tend to start out with what you're most familiar with. And as an investor, I, I figured that I could share those experiences through buyer's agency type work. Um, so that was um, certainly a, an initial revenue stream for me. Um, we we had a buyer's agency. So we, we set it up in London initially um, as well as in Sydney um, and those offices are still running. We've subsequently opened a Brisbane office as well. Um, but since then, um, I've also set up an advisory business, which is um, it's, it's definitely a different angle. Uh, that's writing research reports for um, big institutional investors, um, which is um, which is um, which is lucrative work, but it's also high pressure. Um, the other business I've got that I mentioned, we've got a financial education company and we're putting on a seminar in Sydney uh, in the first week of October. With this in mind, Wargent's property portfolio has grown substantially in value over time within the London and Sydney markets. We try to have a diversified portfolio but one of the things with property is that you tend to get um, you tend to get a bit top heavy in the property market because of the leverage that you use. Um, so um, I'm, I'm not sure whether I should say this, and my wife probably won't uh, won't be too happy about me showing too many details. But uh, so we have um, we have nine properties in our portfolio, uh, mainly based in uh, Sydney and London. 
Um, and yeah, look, I guess we're trying to rebalance our portfolio towards shares and business. But um, yeah, like a lot of people, because of the leverage that you use in the early days in the property market, you tend to get a top-heavy portfolio in property. And um, that's certainly been the case for us. Um, but the good thing um, that we have managed to achieve over recent years, partly partly through just the, the, the growth in those those Sydney and London markets, is we've managed to get our loan-to-value ratio down to below 30%, uh, which is yeah, which has been very helpful for us in terms of serviceability. For those who may not know, Wajan explains what top-heavy means in relation to investments. So if you went to a financial planner or financial advisor today, they, they would generally and um, quite rightly suggest that you, you would diversify your portfolio. So you would, have, um, you would have money in cash, you'd have some money in the share market, um, potentially via your superannuation and also outside your super. You would also have your home and for some people an investment property and your own business. So that, that would be a, a diversified portfolio. Um, the thing with uh, property is that, um, let's say, for example, the first property that I bought on my own without any um, buying jointly with my wife was uh, cost $500,000. Um, now, $500,000 is a lot of money, and uh, certainly it was more than I had invested it in the share market at that time. Um, so therefore, your exposure to the property market tends to be greater uh, because of the, the money that you borrow. And so when I say top-heavy, um, that really means that the, the gross value of your assets exposed to the property market can be um, quite a lot higher than your share market equivalent exposure. Um, so it's not necessarily what would be recommended by a financial advisor because the extra leverage that you use in property um, also comes with higher risks in some circumstances. Having successfully diversified his investments, he points out that not placing all your eggs in one basket is beneficial in the long term. I think um, the, the, in an ideal world, you would have um, a, a very broadly um, diversified portfolio to minimise the risks because um, all asset classes have summer and winter seasons and good and bad times. Um, so one of the ways um, for people who are purely interested in property, and I, I do get that some people just have a preference for one asset class or another, um, one of the things that we tried to do um, would, was to um, have diversification across the portfolio. So um, not just in Sydney, so, but we also invest in Victoria and Brisbane, um, but also in different countries as well um, and different types of property. Um, but um, yeah, look, I suppose in an ideal world, you wouldn't have too much exposure to one asset class. You'd be broadly spread. Through his investment journey, Wajan has both gained and lost money. However, this in turn has taught him to invest only in quality assets. It's like a lot of um, Australians through the mining boom um, make quite a lot of money on some quite speculative mining stocks. Um, probably uh, also like a lot of people felt a bit smarter than I actually was. Um, so yeah, make, made some good money in mining and gas exploration companies, some of which had never made a profit. And then of course, um, as the mining boom peaked, I probably lost it all again. Um, now, I suppose um, uh, Tony Robbins would say there, there are no mistakes, there are only lessons or successes. And I think um, that some good stuff did come out of that because I, I ca came away with a resolution to invest 
only in assets that I'd never have to sell if I didn't want to, even if I lived to be 110. Um, I think uh, certainly at that time when the mining boom was really teeing off, there was a lot of focus on share prices, um, but not too much focus on the fundamentals. Um, so the, the lesson that I took away from that, and it was it was painful seeing uh, profits wiped out, um, is to to invest in quality assets uh, for the long term. Whilst travelling was what made everything fall into place for him, Wajant says it allowed him to set achievable goals and clarify what he wanted from his life. When I finished my last full-time job, I spent some time travelling and, and during that, that period, um, maybe I just needed the space to get away from a, a busy career to get some clarity on um, uh, what, what was it that I wanted to achieve and how I was going to achieve it. Um, and also what I really wanted to do with my life. Um, so that gave me the space to set some goals, uh, to then start a business and then build it up and then reinvest the profits in, in shares and property. Um, so that, that was, that was the, uh, the key aha moment because when I took the, the time out um, away from you know, working 50, 60 hours a week in a full-time job um, to, to spend some time actually setting some real goals. Setting goals into motion is not always an easy feat to accomplish. Wajan has learned to inspire himself through reading a book written by Tony Robbins. There's a great book by Tony Robbins called Awaken the Giant Within. And I've read that book um, a couple of dozen times probably. And it's, it's a great book that I go back to regularly in terms of, in, in terms of just assessing where you are at various um in various stages of your life and um and and looking back five years and seeing what you have and haven't achieved and then looking forward five years um and setting some goals that you can reach um it's such a good book um it, robbins assimilates a lot of ideas um but it really just helps you to set some goals and be relentlessly positive in your quest to achieve them and also in how to deal with the disappointments because there will be some So, inspired by this story and the goals Pete Wargent has set for himself, we'll continue the conversation in a future episode on property investory. We'll talk about how to apply his strategy. I would call myself um, a macro investor, um, certainly an accumulator. I've never sold a property. As well as success habits for property investing. I think success in life comes from consistency. Uh, results come from consistent um, habits. And that's next time on a future episode of Property Investory. Also, I would love to hear from you. If you own property and want to share your story, send me an email to hello at propertyinvestory.com. To spell Property Investory, simply type the words Property Investor with the letter Y. Alternatively, you can open the description of this episode in your player and click on the link to contact me. Thanks for listening. 
food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.